governmental organizations. And the eventual movement that was created was to end with depopulation in a large-scale, step-by-step, of course, not at once. They always want the, the dead to bury the dead as it goes on, just like any big plague would do. And they had all the statistics and studies done on previous plagues. They know this kind of formula. So they had to really lead the sheep. That's why every religion talks about people being sheep and they give you good shepherds. The, the ancient pharaohs were also called good shepherds. That's why they have a little crook in their hand, a little, little walking stick thing, a miniature one. That symbolizes the crook for the shepherd. They can either tug the sheep to, to encourage it in the direction he wants it to go, and he also had the rod in the other, so you beat it if it doesn't go. So you have coercion, and then you have force, and that's what all law is ultimately based upon, always has been for thousands of years. Now, on, on the way to getting their ideal population as it's reduced and all the rest of it, they had to get it into a system of interdependence, which really means on an individual level, uh, there's no independence at all. You'd be totally dependent on the system that then would rule over you through various agencies and governmental structures. Everything now is specialized, and services would initially be put out into the public, like health services, police services, uh, various services, uh, even children's aid services, and now they are authorities exactly as Wells and others wrote about at the beginning of the 1900s. They've accomplished their mission. Everyone is interdependent upon the system for their own personal survival, even though the system is like a, a juggernaut that's going in one direction and we know where the end of the line is. We're all in the same boat. And we've been given step by step again uh, no alternative except to go along in this particular area. At least that's what the big boys think. And they've been covering, they've been closing loopholes all down through the last hundred years that would allow you to be completely independent from the system. It was proven in the Great Depression in the 1920s and 30s, which really lasted right up until World War II. That's what pulled them out of the Depression through massive borrowing and manufacturing of weaponry. But it was proven then that uh, people who were completely independent in some countries and who didn't have to pay even property taxes for the little cottage or even hut that they lived in and they could at least farm for themselves and feed themselves, they would get through it. So after that, they came out with property tax. The Royal Institute, again, an institute for international affairs, proudly takes credit in Britain for instituting through their own members, which they placed in Parliament, the whole idea of property taxation. Their, their American cousin, their branch called the Council on Foreign Relations, did the same thing in the United States. To take away that, even that mode to survive through any economic crisis, you still be demanded to pay taxes, which means you'd lose everything. I'll be back with more after the following messages.
great host, great topics, free speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and we're back with Cutting Through the Matrix. I should mention, too, for newcomers to look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com for other talks along uh, these particular subjects I'm mentioning tonight, and download that which you're interested in, and go at your own pace as well. Try to absorb as much as you can, so you can pass it on to others. And also look into Alan Watt's sentinel.eu for transcripts you can download and pass around in the various languages of Europe. And I was talking there about how even through a depression, and now another economic depression, how you can't even stay in your own home because you see the taxation doesn't stop even when there's no work. The government still come around demanding money for that little hut you're living in. And if you don't have it, then they send in the bailiffs, you know, the little minor psychopaths at the bottom, and they kick you out. And then supposedly some charitable organization is meant to take over from there. And that's called interdependence. You're totally dependent upon this system for your everyday survival. And therefore, at the moment, well, you can just pull out that plastic and it works, even though inflation is going through the roof at the moment with the prices going sky high everywhere this is just the beginning just the beginning they want a totally controlled society through all of this remember they're long term planners they don't suddenly decide to do something and implement it and have it done in a week or two they go through things like a, a long term business plan and that's what the world is it's a long term business plan intergenerational all you have to do is sit and make your agenda, uh, create the institutions to make sure they're carried out, and through hundreds of years they can they can make it all happen by recruiting, training in a certain a certain format, and retiring as they bring in new recruits. They can certainly pull it off. And even when they were giving out the supposed free land in the, the Americas, and you had the great races out there to get to your little plot of land, they knew at the top that you would clear it. You do all the hard work and their descendants could take it from you once you'd made it into real estate, uh, financial real estate. They could take it off you 100 years, 200 years down the road through old, old techniques. And it's so interesting, too, that uh, even some of the founding fathers talked about this because they'd watched all this before, and they knew their histories, and they were well aware of the tricks that are played under the guise of supposedly good government which is actually corrupt. So along this path we're on, I mean, closing the loopholes to make sure that everyone is totally dependent or interdependent on this system. It's quite clever, really, because the culture they give us, which they did give us, they give us culture. You grow culture. That's what culture means. You grow it. And they make everyone think they're doing their own thing, especially the youth. And they give you fashions which the youth will follow. Sometimes they give you two varieties to choose from. But everyone wants to be a little rebel to establish their own identity 
and they don't realise they're actually just falling into line. They're, they're doing exactly what was expected of them by those at the top. And down the road, they want eventually to chip everyone. The whole idea of chipping, and I mentioned this years ago, I said, you know, they'll start with the animals and work their way up. It's all a matter of making us all familiar with it, familiarization of your target, and you accept it as being a, a natural progression somehow, simply because it was done to something else before you. And here's an article from The Independent on Sunday, and this is January the 13th, 2008. It says, prisoners to be chipped like dogs. So they've already gone for the, for the Alzheimer's ones who were pushing it for the chips, so we can find them. And then some babies in California hospitals and so we're getting them put in their heels. I guess they're going to run off or something. Prisoners to be chipped like dogs. High-tech satellite tagging planned in order to create more space in jails. Civil rights groups and probation officers furious at degrading scheme. By Brian Brady, Whitehall, editor. Ministers are planning to implant machine-readable microchips under the skin of thousands of offenders as part of an expansion of the electronic tagging scheme that would create more space in British jails. Now, who's Britain starting is it? Amid concerns about the security of existing tagging systems and prison overcrowding, the Ministry of Justice is investigating the use of satellite and radio wave technology to monitor criminals. But instead of being contained in bracelets worn around the ankle, the tiny chips would be surgically inserted under the skin of offenders in the community to help enforce home curfews. So shortly you'll meet people in the community that has some minor offenses and so on, and you'll get used to the idea. So when it's your turn, you'll, you'll take it anyway. The radio frequency identification tags, as long as two grains of rice are able to carry scannable personal information about individuals, including their identities, address, and offending record. The tags labeled spy chips by privacy campaigners are already used around the world to keep track of dogs, cats, cattle, and airport luggage. That's your familiarization process. But there is no record of technology being used to monitor offenders in the community. The chips are also being considered as a method of helping to keep order within prisons. Yeah, that's sure. And it goes on to say, a senior Ministry of Justice official last night confirmed that the department hoped to go even further by extending the geographical range of internal chips through a link-up with satellite tracking, similar to the system used to trace stolen vehicles. That's a different kind of property. All the options are on the table, and this is one we would like to pursue, the source added. The move is in line with a proposal from Ken Jones, the president of the Association of Chief Police Officers. Now, the Association of Chief Police Officers is a United Nations organization. I don't know if you know that. They have their own little magazine and website and so on. And they take orders from the United Nations because that's the agenda for the world. And I'll continue. It says that electronic chips should be surgically implied in the convicted pedophiles, also that's, that's the, the nasty ones, and sex offenders in order to track them more easily. Global positioning system technology is seen as a favored method of monitoring such offenders to prevent them going near forbidden zones, such as primary schools. See, they always use these guys to implement something that all going to eventually get. And remember, we'll all be criminals. 
uh, shortly. They're already expanding the books all the time, even on terrorism. We have wanted to take advantage of this technology for several years because it seems a sensible solution to the problems we are facing in this area. A senior minister said last night, we have looked at it and gone back to it and worried about the practicalities and the ethics, but when you look at the challenges facing the criminal justice system, it's time has come, as the Masonic saying that, it's time has come. Usually it's an idea, it's time has come. Uh, that's, that's what they say. Their, their part is now is the time when they want to start a revolution. The government has been forced to review sentencing policy amid serious overcrowding in the nation's jails after the prison population soared from 60,000 in 97 to 80,000 today. The crisis meant the number of prisoners held in police cells rose, yada, yada, yada. And it goes on to try to justify this, this particular thing. And then they bring in the financial cost of keeping all the prisoners and, and so on. It says more than 17,000 individuals, including criminals and suspects released on bail, are subject to electronic monitoring at any one time. This is with the present ankle bracelets under curfews requiring them to stay at home up to 12 hours per day. But official figures reveal that almost 2,000 offenders a year escape monitoring by tampering with ankle tags or tearing them off. Now, that's the same excuse you're going to get when they give you your next step of ID, active ID. And then you'll find the beats them getting uh, stolen from people and they'll come in with a chip. It's so predictable, isn't it? I'll be back with more after the following messages. Right through the chaos period. 
And this is one of them. This is one of the methods is to chip everyone. And for a totalitarian system, everyone must be predictable. And the only way you'll be predictable is to be monitored 24 hours per day. That's where it's going. Now, continue with this article here. There's another interesting part of it. This is a multi-million pound, just like, you know, dollars, uh, pilot of satellite monitoring of offenders was shelved last year after a report revealed many criminals simply ditched the ankle tag and separate portable tracking units assembled to them. The Prison Without Bars project also failed to track offenders when they were in the shadow of tail buildings or tall buildings. So this is their excuse, you see. This is the Independent on Sunday has now established that ministers have been assessing the merits of cutting-edge technology that would make it virtually impossible for individuals to remove their tags. The tags injected into the back of the arm with a hypodermic needle consist of a toughened glass capsule holding a computer chip, a copper antenna, and a capacitor that transmits data stored on the chip when prompted by an electromagnetic reader. But details of the dramatic option for tightening controls over Britain's criminals provoked an angry response from probation officers and civil rights groups. Shami Chakrabarti, Director of Liberty, said, if the Home Office doesn't understand why implanting a chip in someone is worse than an ankle bracelet, they don't need a human rights lawyer, they need a common sense bypass. And that's the whole point of it. There's a must-be at work. This is called the must-be's. Must-be's are imperatives, things that must be made to happen according to an agenda, and they will allow no other, no other way to go. That that's basically it. Is the big stick is, is out, the velvet glove is off the iron fist, and we're going into authoritarianism very quickly, big time. That's what it's all about right now. And this is only one method of of getting us all monitored. Britain is probably the most monitored country on the planet, as far as we know, uh, with cameras everywhere in all the major cities and so on. And they say that you can't walk uh, 20 yards without a camera finding you and photographing you. But they also have boom mics attached to them, super boom mics, which can have a, you can, they can pick up a conversation you're having in a door shop entrance at 200-odd yards. And they have huge panels of people in massive rooms with those television cameras all, or screens all around them monitoring everyone for their safety. And they were doing this before 9-11, by the way. You see, 9-11 was just the excuse to kick off uh, a multifaceted uh, part of this agenda in the West, in the, especially in the Americas. They had to use it to unite the Americas closely uh, and very, very quickly, and not over the many years it took to unite Britain into Europe. But they wanted to do it quickly, and terrorism was part of the plan. And here they are rushing ahead with it. So we know that once the card with the, the active chip is working, there'll be a spate. All over the world, we were nothing but people getting mugged and mugged and mugged, and their cards stolen. And then they'll come forward and say, my goodness, we've been working on something to, to get around this. And you'll, you'll get a chip. And they'll get people so weary, most people will actually line up to get it, thinking this is great. This is great. The constant monitoring, especially if they can do your banking from that chip too, just like they do at the Baja Club or Badger Club, uh, which implants their, their patrons with a pre-charged uh, 
chip which can uh, help pay your, your bar bills without you having to draw any money out of your pockets. You just, you just swipe this thing past your arm. Most people think it's so convenient. And we will sell our souls for convenience. Uh, that's so tragic. We're becoming so incredibly uh, addicted to what we think is convenience. We don't see the dangers or who's in charge or where it's going. And we're on a gallop, a gallop towards Huxley's Brave New World. We're also on a gallop towards what Thomas Malthus talked about too, which was uh, the, the necessity really to, to get a, a big reduction of the population going. Because by his statistics, we should be all crawling over each other by now. Mind you, he used a lot of lies and, and fake charts, etc. They love charts and... and and lots of data to get their points across. But the elite have had this in store for at least since at least the 1700s. And Malthus was the top economist for royalty, the British Empire, and the British East India Company that was basically owned by the Crown. George Orwell, interestingly enough, in his own biography, or a biography was done about him, autobiography, it was, uh, he mentioned his father. His father was also, you came from a lineage of high-level bureaucrats and, and diplomats for Britain. And his father was working in the British Opium Department of Burma. He was in charge of it in the 1920s into the 30s. Britain was growing the opium. And of course, when that was brought in Parliament by a politician, I think it was Thompson, his name was, because Britain hadn't a clue they were still doing this kind of stuff. Uh, they found out they couldn't get any further because of reasons of national security, because it was all royalty and their family members who owned the corporation. However, the British taxpayer funded it all. We funded it all. And we funded even the, the armies to take care of it and to police it and all the rest of it, which is standard, because we've always lived under a form of fascism. In the last hundred years, it's been more carefully disguised. And it's also used science and propaganda to make us think we were tremendously free. The more things change, the more they stay the same, they say. So we're living in an area of rapidly accelerating change towards a world agenda. And most folk will play their way right through it, they'll be entertained right through it. And they'll never really know how they ended up in the state they'll end up in. It'll be a big shock. Now, even in the local papers around where I live in Canada, there's articles there by the Salvation Army and other organizations talking about the new face of the new poor. And the new poor are the working people who are still working, families with jobs. At the bottom, of course, always starts at the bottom. They, they see it first, those with low incomes. And the food banks across the country are just getting emptied out now with the, the new problems. People cannot keep up just with the basic the necessities. The same thing is happening in the U.S. I've had a report from Maine on the same thing from a newspaper there. So the big cushion, the safety net, the, the, the cotton wool, that they kept around the United States and Canada has been taken away gradually now, piece by piece, until we'll end up 
in Europe for all the basic necessities and for their food and so on. Uh, that's also part of the agenda. Back in the early 1900s, there was an organization founded for a, a form of pan-American uh, unionism with Europe. They discussed it back then. Back with more after the following messages. News, politics, cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. WTPRN. Because 
when people like Rudyard Kipling came to the United States to talk to the Senate and present his little poem uh, about the white man's burden. And he said, we pass the torch on to you. It was well understood that the Britain uh, had been in so many wars for so many centuries that they could never pay off the debt for the citizenry. They also had a, a population that was pretty sickly, malnourished and all the rest of it. And they couldn't get the tax money uh, coming in fast enough. So they knew that the United States would have to take over and they had the Anglo-American establishment already connected to do the job. The policy for New American Century is just a later branch uh, showing its head uh, and their job is to bring in a, an, an American empire. But, they think, but the people will think back home in America as an American empire, but it's not really. It's a very different America they have in mind and a very different empire they have in mind. It's a totalitarian system for a global society and for what they claim are the, the genetically superior ones to rule over the inferior ones and do with them as they see fit. That's what's coming. Uh, that's also what Marxism and all the other isms were founded on was Darwinism and survival of the fittest. And from the psychopath's point of view at the top, uh, they're, they're, they are the natural ones. They are the natural inheritors and successors to the planet. The goal is theirs and the crown is theirs. If they succeed, that's how they view themselves, not as a, an aberrant uh, species or division of humanity, a creed, but actually the superior ones. And they fund scientists to do to work for them, helping to convince the herd that follows uh, that, sure enough, they are superior, a world run by experts. We've all been trained in it, as Bertrand Russell said. Now, the United Nations, who's a great front for this organization, again, uh, a combination of Marxism and, and fascism, the dialectic coming together for the third wave or way of Plato, equal to way and others have called it wave since. And that's how the world's been controlled, the fascists at the top and a communistic bureaucracy running the people in a communistic collectivist fashion at the bottom. And that's what the Club of Rome said in their own book, The First Global Revolution. They'd studied all the different techniques and systems to rule the people over the centuries, and they found that collectivism was their best bet. That, that's what they favored the most. So here in the model state, which is China, the, United, the UN has said that China is their model state for the world to follow. And remember, technically, technically it's supposed to still be communist, meaning it has a, a totalitarian form of government. And this is a report here, I have here on, on China. It's from the Wall Street Journal, November the 2nd, 2007. It says, Nanjing, China. It says, Mi Zanteo, poor 25-year-old living with his parents outside this provincial capital in eastern China, was battling depression and had trouble socializing. Doctors said he had schizophrenia. They recommended a brain surgery. Mr. Mee's family spent about $4,800, the equivalent of four years' income, and more than half their life savings on the operation at number 454 Hospital of the People's Liberation Army in Nanjing. The highly controversial procedure involved drilling tiny holes in the young man's skull, inserting a 7.5-inch long needle, 
and burning small areas of brain tissue thought to be causing his problems. It's quite interesting because psychiatry is really a belief system. Uh, they admit themselves, if you ask them, they don't know what causes what they call mental illnesses. And it's even debatable amongst each other as to what really should be classified as a mental illness. Some are very obvious, but most are not. And it's never been uh, this scientific bent they've put to uh, a theory of lobotomy. Uh, all it does really is, is create someone who is his IQ just drops, becomes almost zombied. To continue, it says, the surgeon who operated on Mr. Lai the day he met him says he's performed nearly 1,000 such procedures, mostly for schizophrenia, but also for illnesses ranging from depression to epilepsy since the hospital started offering the operation in 2004. Mr. Mai's parents say the surgery is nothing but leave their son with a partially limp right arm and slurred speech. So the operation was a success but the patient's a zombie. He continues to be depressed and withdrawn, his mother says. Wang Yifang, the surgeon, says he checked the medical records, and as far as he knows, the patient left the hospital uninjured. He just stuck all this in his brain and burned parts of his brain. I'd call that an injury. Mr. Mai's mother, Kong Ling Sia, 50, says she'll regret the decision for the rest of her life. I feel so angry, she says, but I'm really angry at myself. How could I let this happen? Again, it's the expert indoctrination. You'll, you'll come to put them on pedestals through propaganda. The reversible brain surgeries performed at number 454 hospital, which are all but blacklisted for mental illness, in the developed world are being done across China. They're a symptom of the problems plaguing the nation's health care system, which has left hospitals with scant public funding and hungry for profit. Profit in a communist, supposedly, system, We're, we're living in quite the age where so, so much is taken for granted, including sciences, and yet these sciences are based on almost voodoo. A lot of theories, but no real proof. They don't know what causes mental illness. Some will say, well, it's, it's really a, a metabolic imbalance in the brain, or a chemical imbalance in the brain, or it's a dominant gene or a recessive gene, and so on. These are all theories. None of them have been proven at all. And yet it's run like a religion of fact, simply by repetition. And again, through propaganda, through fiction, fictional movies, fictional series on television, the same as they elevated the doctors to a much higher standard through fiction until they're glorified and can do no wrong. So we're on a roll now. Now there's someone on the line, I think, is, is it Lee from Texas? Hello? Hello. Hi, Alan. Um, I have a I have a question for you. I I, um, I guess you guys are up over your thaw and it's back on the old man winter again. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, um, I had uh, I had a question for you, and it was uh, concerning uh, within the church when they had the split between Rome and Byzantium. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could tell me if like uh, essentially the controllers or whatever. Uh, because uh, you've got like where Roman and sacked Constantinople during one of the crusades. So I was wondering who bankrolled the uh, concert. I hear the music coming. Yeah, hold on. We'll talk about it after the following messages.